Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. On this episode of The Greener Way, we're talking with Alex Banks, a partner at EY's Climate Change and Sustainability Services Division. Alex is the co-author of a report commissioned by the Wilderness Society that found that financiers do not assess and disclose deforestation and biodiversity loss in Australia and may not even be aware of the risk when funding Australia's primary industries. Alex, welcome to The Greener Way. Now, I don't necessarily want to say you're the Lorax, but you certainly do speak for the trees today. So can you introduce yourself a little bit further and let's get into this report? Sure. Thank you, Rachel. It's awesome to be here. And um, I take being called the Lorax um, with great pride. Uh, it's definitely something that I've been trying to do for my whole career. And, and I'm really, really passionate about forestry and also about tackling deforestation. So it's great to be here. Fantastic. Let's get into it. Um, So your recent report was commissioned by the Wilderness Society, and it had some really bold and kind of scary conclusions in it. Um, Can you run us through some of the main conclusions of the report um, and what you found in the process? Yeah, sure. So essentially, the Wilderness Society came to us um, because they were interested in in undertaking some research into whether or not there was offshore financing, and in particular, finance from Europe coming into deforestation risk sectors in Australia. And there's a couple of reasons that they wanted to look into that. One is that, um, you know, there is a hypothesis that there is a significant amount of offshore financing coming into deforestation risk industries in Australia, that we know that regulations offshore are changing. So the kind of expectations and the needs of um, those financiers in Europe or elsewhere are likely to also change in the future. And that Unfortunately, some of the statistics about deforestation and forest degradation in Australia are not going in the direction that we would like, i.e. we're not seeing the kind of levels of um, decrease in deforestation and forest degradation that we would would ideally like, and um, they're interested in, in exploring that further. So essentially, we came together to prepare this report, um, looking at essentially how these um, deforestation and biodiversity regulations globally, and particularly out of Europe, are likely to impact Australian companies and, and particularly their financiers. We were looking also into which deforestation and forest degradation um, areas in Australia may be connected to Europe and, and in particular which sectors are likely to be contributing it to it in Australia. We were interested in understanding who is doing that financing and, you know, what country they're located in. And then in particular, and and I guess most importantly to me, what they should do about it. So what should European or other financiers be looking for or asking for or investigating in their financial value chains to, to try to understand this deforestation risk better and to take action to tackle deforestation? Oh, that's a, that's a big, that's a big and bold startup. So what did you find? And, and you know, in terms of either the centers of risk, the concentration of either financiers or companies, how 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 extreme are the risk and how concentrated are the risks? We found a lot of different things, and and it was a super interesting process to go through. And maybe Rachel, I can just start by explaining a little bit about how we actually did this, because it's one of the questions that we've been getting mm-hmm. asked a lot. How did you come to a kind of conclusion about whether or not there was financing coming from offshore? And essentially, what we mm-hmm. started by 
doing was looking at where deforestation was occurring in Australia. And we basically used government data um, to do that. There is a, a data set called the National Greenhouse Gas Inventory or the NIGI data set, as those those in the know like mm-hmm. to call it. And there's essentially land use, <laughs> land use change and forestry data sitting within that big data set. And we looked into that and we identified essentially the areas in Australia where deforestation has been happening. And using an Australian um, land use classification methodology, we identified the industries in those areas. So we um, were able to identify a number of higher risk industries for deforestation in Australia. And that essentially includes forestry, land and urban development, Mm -hmm. um, beef and sheep or kind of agriculture, and then also cropping within agriculture Mm -hmm. as well. We then um, in those Mm -hmm. different sectors identified uh, large listed companies and looked into their investors, essentially. So, it was quite a small group of companies, 13 listed companies. And then we basically traced back all of the different financing that those companies had and looked at where that financing was located. And what we essentially found was that there was lots of different types of financing coming into those companies. So, you know, share issuance, loans, bonds, and shareholdings. And that their finance was coming from Europe, um, as we suspected, but also from other countries. So, particularly North America, Asia, and South America. So, by just looking at quite a small subset of companies, just um, 13, we're able to identify a really significant amount of offshore financing into these industries. One of the kind of nuances of this is that the the structure and kind of dynamics of some of these industries in Australia means that a lot of them aren't um, publicly listed. So we're not actually able to look Mm -hmm. into public information about financing of these companies, but we do know that there is a lot of other financing coming into them. So the report essentially has six main findings. The first is that nature and biodiversity are critical foundations of the global economy and also of human existence Mm. and that they're rapidly degrading. So first one, not a good news story. We really, really need nature. We really need biodiversity and nature and biodiversity in a rapid state of decline. The second is that deforestation and forest degradation are significant contributors to biodiversity and nature loss in Australia, and that they're primarily driven by the agriculture, forestry, and land development sectors. So we know that biodiversity Mm -hmm. and nature are fundamental to the economy and to human existence. We know that deforestation and forest degradation are significant contributors to that biodiversity loss here in Australia, and that the industries of agriculture, forestry, and land development are primarily contributing to that. The third um, finding of the report is that because of impacts and dependencies within value chains, losses can become material financial risks for companies and their financiers without effective management. That's very kind of technical consulting words, mm. but what that really <laughs> means is that Lots and lots of different companies within their value chains, so either upstream in their supply chains, in their own operations, or downstream in their customers, Mm -hmm. have both impacts and dependencies on nature. And often, you know, within this area that we were looking at, they are impacts and dependencies on forests. So either they're impacting forest environments or they're dependent on the ecosystem services provided by forest environments. And because of this nature loss, those impacts and dependencies 
agencies can translate into risks to companies. So, you know, it might be that they're not able to obtain the same value from the timber. You know, it might be that the land is getting degraded, so less timber is being produced. Um, It might be that the regulations overseas are changing, so there's less of a market for their products. It might be that because of climate change, the risk of um, forest fire is much higher, so it's much harder to get insurance. So, all of these things kind of combine together to create risks, material financial risks for companies. We know the fourth finding is that we know that these um, deforestation risk sectors are linked to European and other financing. The fifth finding is that the extent of deforestation and forest degradation in Australia is really not well understood offshore and there's lots of reasons for that and and that was kind of one of the interesting things that we looked at in the report. And then lastly, the the sixth finding is that financiers in Europe and also elsewhere are going to have to consider these risks going forward. So the big message of the report is really if you are um, operating in, in the value chains of one of these industries right now, start thinking about how you are going to get the information that you need um, to provide to your financiers, think about how you're managing deforestation, forest degradation risk, and transparently disclose Mm. on that because that's going to be really fundamental going forward. I think that was one of the things, to hone in on that that lack of understanding by financiers angle, Alex, because that was something that really stood out to me in the report. To what do you attribute this lack of understanding? Is it, you know, the lack of data available? Is it the fact that, you know, Australia has a very specific fragile ecosystem and also a really involved and sophisticated primary industry you know, primary industry sector. Uh, what what what's leading into this lack of understanding? Yeah, it, it's a really really good question and something that we were really trying to understand in the report. Essentially, like why. Mm why has Australia been excluded from these deforestation risk considerations offshore? Because, you know, Mm -hmm. considering deforestation risk is not new. It's, you know, the EU... Um, right. deforestation regulation is not the very first time that this has happened. And, and you know, this has been going on for a long time. But f- for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. Australia doesn't really come up on the risk registers of, of organisations who are seeking to exclude deforestation um, from their value chains. One of the big reasons for that is that the the kind of historical focus has been on tropical deforestation. So that's deforestation kind of in and around the equator globally. So that might be in Southeast Mm -hmm. Asia, that might be in West Africa, it might be in Central and Southern America. So where we kind of have historically thought of and seen, um, you know, significant deforestation of big, lush rainforests, you know, when people think about a forest, that's what they think of. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, Mm -hmm. historically, the rates of deforestation kind of while we have been thinking about deforestation of it as an issue have been there. So that's one reason um, mm-hmm. we've seen really significant mm-hmm. deforestation in those areas. Another is actually about how we define a forest and what we consider or think of as a forest. And forests in Australia are, are quite different to forests globally. We do have those beautiful, lush, tropical rainforests in Queensland and, and the north of Australia, but we also have very, very complex ecosystems, you know, low scrubland, um, acacia forests, grasslands, etc., which don't necessarily meet international either definitions of a forest or international concepts or, or images of what a forest actually is. The other reason is that typically, particularly when large um, financial institutions are doing kind of portfolio risk assessments, 
governance is a significant mm-hmm. contributor to that initial risk rating. So because Australia is a you know relatively well governed country, you know we have uh, we don't come up very high on things like the corruption perception index, etc. We almost get screened yeah, yeah. out right from the get go without even further interrogation or consideration of the risks here in Australia, even though we actually like globally, uh, you know unfortunately, standing shoulder to shoulder with some of the most significant deforestation fronts in the world. That point is fascinating. It's sort of the um, sort of the the cognitive dissonance that because this is a, a highly regulated economy yep. that therefore deforestation is perceived as less of a risk is a that's a fascinating cult, uh, dichotomy to have to explore. Yeah. And I actually think it, it's something that Taylor is going to have to grapple with across a number of different commodities or, or kind of impact areas as mm. the kind of level of expectation and understanding of sustainability issues increases. It's something that we're already seeing mm-hmm. playing out um, in the human rights space, for example, on in Indigenous people's rights. So, you know, globally, it's being more understood about the risks and, and the impacts on Indigenous people's rights in Australia and, for example, primary industries um, in extractives and, mm-hmm. and that kind of like historical, oh, well, you know, you're a relatively well-developed Western country, therefore your risks must be kind of low across the board. That that reputation, I don't think, is going to necessarily stand up to scrutiny going forward as the level of sophistication and interrogation increases, which can sound kind of scary. Mm. And I know that 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 might sound scary to to people within these industries, but it's actually also an incredible opportunity because Mm -hmm. there is so much sustainable forestry happening in Australia. There is so much sustainable agriculture. Um, You know, there are a few instances in a few Mm. parts of the country where that is not the case. And, you know, which is why I guess I come back to this point around, you know, having a clear commitment to, um, deforestation or zero deforestation, more importantly, having a policy and process in place Mm -hmm. to give effect to that, monitoring your progress and then transparently reporting or disclosing on that progress is just fundamental to to good business going forward, irrespective of the issue that you're looking to, to manage. It's it's kind of an interesting dichotomy as well, because, you know, you think on the one hand, as you say, you know, there's this blind spot towards deforestation in Australia. But on the other hand, things like the FSC have been in Australia, I think, since the beginning of the 2000, 2001. Yeah. And so there's that, there's that a, a highly successful, very durable um, forestry certification scheme yeah. uh, that's part of a part of a very uh, a global supply chain and it, it, it again it brings to that cognitive dissonance doesn't it yeah it's it's really interesting cuz you know the other big standard in australia is the responsible wood standard which is endorsed by the pfc or the program for endorsement of forestry certification mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know it's a huge amount of australia's forest production is is certified either under responsible wood or or the fsc but we are going through a very mm. interesting period at the moment and anyone who kind of reads the news with a little bit of an interest in in deforestation or forestry will, will be aware of this, that there is a very robust conversation going on about native forest logging and the, the kind of future of the native forest logging industry. And this to mm-hmm. me is actually a, a really, really great example of both market risk and reputational risk. So, you know, we, mm-hmm. we can argue and, and debate all day about the sustainability and durability of native forest logging, but the reality is right now it has a significant reputational issue. And 
the financial mm-hmm. institutions that are providing funding into those industries, either, you know, the the companies that are buying the timber that's produced in native forest logging in Australia, um, you know, they might be, pro- you know, providing funding to, to the primary producers themselves, are going to have to be thinking mm-hmm. about the level of reputational risk that is presented by those industries and also the future market um, and regulatory risk. You know, we've seen in Victoria a change in regulation. There is no, mm-hmm. um, you know, native forest logging going forward in Victoria. That's a significant, you know, historical um, risk that financial institutions may be facing. So, I, I actually think, you know, it's a it's a good example of of what we kind of talk about in the report, which is actually how some of these issues can manifest into material financial risks and also opportunities going forward. But it's a complex and dynamic space in Australia. We, you know, we have a very, very rich history in the, in the forestry industry and um, lots and lots of stakeholders who care very deeply about these issues on kind of both sides, both sides of the spectrum. So, Absolutely. Well, look, it, all it takes is one uh, suddenly homeless koala colony yep. and uh, yep. the, the reputation is shot around the world. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because the when we launched the report at the IGCC summit, we mm-hmm. had um, on the panel with us someone from um, Australian Ethical Super uh, talking mm-hmm. a little bit about a recent mm-hmm. divestment. And, you know, I, I think some of the stuff that she was saying about the, the, you know, the lengthy, lengthy process that they went through before they actually made that divestment decision you know about the level of comfort that they tried to get in in the management of impacts on koala habitats actually with with some yeah. of that property development and you know then coming to the very difficult decision ultimately to divest in that company you know this can take a long mm-hmm. time but you know it, it's really necessary and it's going to be happening more and more. You know, obviously that's an ethical super fund. So they have a, a really significant mandate from their members to, to do mm-hmm. that kind of work. But I think we're going to be seeing that kind of activity more and more, you know, across the board in, in things like institutional investment. I agree. Um, and for our listeners, um, Alex, you're referring to um, Australian ethical divesting from Lendlease because they were concerned that there wasn't adequate concern given to biodiversity corridors for koala colonies yeah. in a housing development in southeast Sydney. Yeah, um, that's right. So it's 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 one it's one example, but I'm I agree with you. There's going to be more. Yeah. Um. So what steps can investors start to take to assess their risks and then having potentially building towards having positive impacts? when discussing with portfolio companies? Yeah, it's it's a really good question. And and there's actually some really great examples out there of frameworks and and methodologies that companies can use. And and I do want to give a quick shout out to the accountability framework, which I actually think is really fantastic. And it's very, very comprehensive, particularly for organizations looking to manage um, deforestation risk within their value chains. What we have done in the report Mm -hmm. is to give specific recommendations for companies about like what the Australian angle is or what, you know, what they need to be thinking Mm -hmm. about from, from an Australian perspective when it when they are implementing um, zero deforestation commitments and they kind mm-hmm. of come under four broad buckets the first one is around establishing the pr- position and plan and um, I kind of referred mm-hmm. to that before and the position is actually really really important you know that is basically a commitment to tackling deforestation and a commitment you know to um, having an appropriate scope for that um, approach and then also time-bound requirements and one of the things that we kind of found going through this process 
was that historically there has been a really significant gap between commitment and action. So it's not enough just to make a commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone loves to have a zero deforestation commitment on their website. Uh, and we saw that leading up to 2020. I was in Europe at that time and, and working with lots of companies on their zero deforestation commitments. And then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we got to 2020 and I feel like we looked around and we were the only ones left in the room. Um, and we're like, what, what happened to all those zero deforestation commitments? Um, so it's important <laughs> that you obviously have commitment, that, but then you also um, mm. have action. In order to set an appropriate mm. commitment for, for financiers who are investing in Australia, it's really important that those commitments don't exclude biodiversity and carbon impacts that are linked to deforestation and forest degradation in Australia. So, you know, sometimes we see commitments that are things like tropical deforestation, et cetera. And if your portfolio actually intersects with Australia, it's important that you don't exclude it from the very commitment itself. Where Mm -hmm. you set that commitment, making sure you have an appropriate baseline and a target date. We're starting to see, you know, for example, the European Deforestation Regulation, which has just come into effect this year, it is going to have a a seismic impact on global supply chains. And it's really not to be underestimated Mm -hmm. how much that's really going to play out globally. You know, that sets a baseline, but it's really Mm -hmm. important for organisations to set an appropriate baseline. And when I say that, it actually means like, what is the year that is the cutoff date for deforestation? So, you know, the, the FSC has quite a significant historical baseline that they set in the early 90s when the FSC was established. Some of the other, um, commodity um, supply chain certification schemes have other ones. So the RSPO, you know, I think sets it, I think there's this 2005 and so on. So what is an appropriate baseline for your organisation? Are you setting a baseline to try to exclude parts of your supply chain that you think, are, you know, have been deforested mm-hmm. after that point, et cetera? And then also like, what is your mm. target date? Is 2030 an appropriate target for you to exclude that, et cetera? So thinking about that in a meaningful way. Then the other thing, particularly for large um, financial institutions, is actually to develop appropriate guidance for the people within your business who are making decisions about investments. So, you know, your analysts sitting um, at their desk, at their computer, do they have the information in front of them that's going to enable them to make decisions that are aligned to that commitment that you've made? The next kind of group of Mm. actions is around identifying and mapping risks. So obviously, when you are looking um, at a portfolio risk assessment, ensuring that that captures the deforestation and degradation sectors in Australia. So not just looking, for example, at forestry, but also looking at um, the property sector, the ag sector here, et cetera. So that's kind of about scope. And then using appropriate sets of data, mm-hmm. and this is something we we looked at a lot um, in this report, and we've given specific guidance around what kind of data is available to European or other um, organisations to actually assess risk. And, you know, I, I would recommend there that the NIGI data set is, is definitely the place to start, but then there are others, lots of nice um, acronyms, things like the SLATS data and the LULUFC data, et cetera. So there's lots of nice acronyms for all of the data that's out there. Oh, we love an acronym in the sustainability circle. Uh, Yeah, yes, there's just so many. The next kind of group is just around engaging with the portfolio. So it's one thing to have a commitment. It's one thing Mm. to start to assess risk, but it's quite another to actually starting to talk to your portfolio companies and saying, this is really important to us. This is something that we're focusing on. Tell us about how you're managing the risk of deforestation and to do that in a in a, a methodical and documented way because that's really important when it comes to the last piece, which is around monitoring and disclosure. So continuously in, ensuring 
ensuring that your systems work and then disclosing on the progress. So there's some good juicy recommendations in the report about what that specifically means for Australia and how companies can bring things like the very nuanced and and long um, debated definitions of deforestation in Australia, et cetera, into that process. Um, So hopefully that will help people who are going through this. We'll drop a link to the report into the show notes so that people can find the reports for themselves. Alex Banks, EY's Lorax, who speaks for the trees. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allenbackis. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.